Welcome to the What You Should Have Been Taught podcast, where we talk about everything you should have been taught in school but weren't. In particular, we'll focus on finances, fitness, and creating a phenomenal life on your terms. I'm your host, Kate Hildreth, a former USA rugby player, entrepreneur, and real estate investor. I'm also LGBTQ, so if you're looking for a queer mentor you can trust, you finally found one. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Well, I've got an exciting guest to introduce you to today. Her name is Taryn Durant, and she's a health professional. She's an entrepreneur. She's gone through an incredible fitness transformation, and now she teaches other people how to do it too. So if you haven't already met all of your fitness and your entrepreneurial and your business goals, you're definitely going to want to listen to this because she's going to explain her lessons learned through her own experiences, both with body recomposition, but also lessons learned as an entrepreneur. Yep. So on the health front, we'll be covering how to build muscle, lose fat, stay motivated. And on the business front, we're going to talk about what it means to be your own boss, create financial freedom, and most importantly, help others along the way. So let's dive in. Darren, welcome. Thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate it. Like I was saying, you know, behind the scenes, I have so much respect for you. So thank you so much for, you know, asking me to come on. Um, I'm very excited. Very, very excited. You have so much to share. So I'm excited too. So for my first question, this is a big one, but I'd love to share who you are for those who are just meeting you. So if you had to describe yourself in a handful of words or identities, how would you go about that? Mm, This is a really cool question. I consider myself to be a mask presenting female who loves anime, who just loves pushing boundaries. I think I'm a person that believes so heavily in human potential. And I think I'm a person that just, I love growth. I love personal growth and I love seeing it in other people and in myself as well, obviously. So I think that's kind of like who I am. Also, I'm just like this person that just loves to lift heavy stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? For lack of a better term, I just love lifting weights. I love working out. I love building and structuring my body that makes me feel at home. And I love giving that to other people as well and helping them do the same thing. I love so many of those points, but one in particular really just stuck with me because when I'm listening to people, so often I'm listening for their superpower, what makes them unique. And Mm. usually superpower is what they don't even realize. Like it's not even a a big deal to them because it's so innate to who they are. They think, they think it's easy. (laughs) And you just said personal potential, but yours and other people's excites you. So I think that's, that's perhaps superpower. Thank you. I'm going to write that down. Put that in my office. Here's your superpower. Boom. Kate said, so it's it's truth. And keep your focus on it. Yeah. So what's your athletic background? I know you've been involved across quite a range of sports and now you're extremely active physically as well. Yeah. So I uh, grew up playing basketball. My father was actually my coach since I was like six or seven years old until I was about 16 and aged out and I needed a new coach, obviously, because he couldn't, you know, he wasn't a professional. He doesn't, you know, know it. So I needed something more, but, you know, he really taught me kind of hard work and stuff like that. And I, I just fell in love with it. And I played in college as well. I played at Fordham University, which is a great school. I'm super grateful uh, for the time I spent there. But even during that time, I think I realized that, and of course, in high school, I played, you know, volleyball, ran track for a little bit. But in college, I really started to realize that I favored the agility workouts. I loved the weight room. I loved even sort of the conditioning, you know what I mean? The sprints. I just loved the training aspect of it more so than the actual performance, the more so than hey, it's time to play the game. Like I, that was kind of like a letdown for me. I was like, man, I just want to go lift. Like, can I, you know, can we just go do this, you know? And then looking back on my life, like that was some of the best uh, memories that I had with my dad as well. Like I loved the training sessions with him and 
the hill sprints and it sounds really psychotic, but I loved, you know what I mean? The pushups. I love that kind of stuff as opposed to the actual game. So like that, yeah, that's kind of like the athletic background and, and kind of what shapes me today as well. I, I love that you had that relationship with your dad. And I think part of what was probably really compelling is that he also had that love for personal potential. It sounds like that yeah. he wanted to help you explore it and feel it and experience it. Uh, so perhaps it's come down the lineage. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's actually a cool way. I'm going to text him that. That's a cool way to think about it. I never thought about it before. So after you got out of, I believe the time is correct, but correct me if I'm not, after you got out of college and you were moving on um, outside of basketball, you fell a bit out of shape. If, if that's an okay yes. way to phrase it. But there was yeah. a moment that you had a, you had a click, you had a shift and you said, it's time to change. So I'm curious what created that shift. And I'm also curious how quickly after that moment, did you take action? Yeah. Wow. So in 2015 was essentially when it happened for me, you know, 2015, my weight got up to 220 was my heaviest and I'm five, five. So it was really heavy on my joints. You know, I was feeling things I've never felt before. You know, I wear sports bras and they were just tight and it was hard to breathe. You know, I then dove into binders as well because I just really wanted to feel flatter. And I, you know, coming from that athletic background, I was like, man, what happened to me? You know, kind of like, I know what it feels to feel good. So feeling bad right now feels really bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not fitting my clothes. And also I wear men's clothes and, you know, the women in my family are very curvaceous. So like, when we gain body fat, it's just very like, like hips and just exploding. And I didn't feel right in my clothes. And so I did that. And during that time, also, I was going to grad school for mental health therapy. I was actually a mental health therapist before. And, you know, I noticed that even during my practice and in the training and stuff like that, I was helping other people, but, you know, I was miserable myself. And I was like, man, what if I like really helped myself? You know, what if I really did this? So of course, I do not recommend this to anybody, but I did a whole bunch of unhealthy things that I think a lot of people experiment with, right? So I did the, you know, cardio on the treadmill three hours a day. I did the, hey, we're only going to eat salads and fruit and drink water. And, you know, that's all we're going to do. I did those very extreme things, trying to get results. I didn't know what to do. You know, I was lost. And, you know, I just decided to, to actually give, give myself a chance. I found this guy, he was doing programs online. I was like, man, let me just try it. And I started learning the importance of nutrition and how to feed my body and how to, you know, have patience. And it's not a sprint. It's not like, hey, I need to lose these 25 pounds this month. No, like I can lose 25 pounds in three months, in four months. And that's okay. That's great. It took the pressure off for me. And I really started to focus in on the enjoyment of the journey as opposed to when I get to the result, that's when I'm going to be happy. And I think a lot of people struggle with that too. You know, today, I think a lot of people focus so much on when I lose the hundred pounds, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be beautiful. Then I'll be worthy. We can be all those things right now. And it's just going to be even sweeter when we do achieve it. And then guess what? Next goal, set another, set another goal. So to be honest, I think when I was at my lowest point in 2015 to cope with, you know, the depression and anxiety that I felt, I just, I just ate more. I drank more. And I did that for a couple of years. And I was just like, man, like I gotta, you know, this is, this is rock bottom. Like I wonder who I could be if I really, you know, went in the opposite direction. And that's really how it happened for me. You know, it was just kind of getting sick of my own crap. You know what I mean? And, and just wanting to change. I heard a number of really significant things there. One was, I love that you've got a coach. Yeah. I think we do so many things for children that we don't do for ourselves as adults. And one of them that I see over and over and over is 
one-on-one, you know, tutoring, coaching, mentorship, Mm -hmm. kids get a lot of coaching. (laughs) If you asked, you know, how many people have coached a kid in the last week, it'll be a, you know, piano teacher, two athletic coaches, a a tutor in math, you know, it goes on and on and on. And adults don't take the time to invest, you know, time, money, energy into adult coaching. And I think it's one of the most rapid and effective and pleasurable ways great shifts in your life. So I love that you mm-hmm. took that chance. And that was probably a huge, maybe, maybe that's a pattern you've had because of your sports backgrounds. But for those that are listening, I think that was a huge part of what you just said. Yes. Yeah. It, it was, it was so beneficial. I recommend it. Yeah. And then I also loved the question you asked yourself. I believe you said, I wonder who I could be. And mm-hmm. I also it gave me chills because I love the power of a good question. Mm-hmm. questions of ourselves, get, get our, our mind thinking and, and answering it. And so I also wonder how much impact that question had on you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was huge because it went from, it was almost the, I don't want to say outer body experience, but it went from, you know, me being miserable, eating my feelings and, you know, social media can be really tough if you don't know how to manage it within yourself and your emotions. So I was just on social media, just scrolling and seeing all these people and seeing their physiques and, you know, seeing their energy, seeing their lives. And just, that just put me in a, oh man, you know, I wish I was them or sorry, sorry about that. I got an incoming call or I would be happy if, you know, I looked like them or felt like them. And then, you know, it went from, you know, what if I just did it? What if I stopped looking and stopped being a spectator and started being a participant in my own life? You know, also this is very random too, but I stopped playing the Sims around the time. I don't know if you ever know, do you know that game, the Sims? Uh, I've heard of it, but I'm not familiar with it. Okay. So it's a great game, but it's also for me, like it was an addiction. So the Sims essentially, this is kind of off topic, but it's a virtual world where you can create your player. You can design their body types, their, their clothes, their career, build their house, let them have kids, their pets, all that kind of stuff. It's literally a virtual reality. And I started playing that game around, you know, 2014, 2015. And I stopped in 2015, 2016, because I was like, man, I'm putting up so much energy building this fantasy person, this person that, you know, I'm living my life through them. Like, this is me. This is the real me, you know? So I haven't played that game in literally years because of the reason of, I want to treat my own game, my own life as I can shape it to be whatever I want it to be. If that makes I think sense. that's huge because social media and technology uh, and digital worlds and metaverses are having more and more impact than ever before in history and anxiety and depression are higher than ever before in history. And there's a lot of studies exploring those correlations and pretty compelling evidence. And so, you know, this wasn't necessarily an angle that I initially had thought about with you, but I would like to take a moment or two to explore it because I think that social media can be extremely dangerous and can be extremely motivating. It can be both. And I always Mm -hmm. like to think of it as, as a tool. If I had a bow and arrow, I wouldn't point the bow and arrow towards myself. I would point it outward. So I would I would be very conscious about how I engage with that tool. And so I think about social media a lot is what is compelling content for me to consume, empowering content, and also to just notice my biofeedback in my body about does this make me feel better? Does this make me feel worse? Who is yeah. um, creating the sense of connection? But I also think uh, that these 3D worlds that are emerging that, yes, we need to be extremely conscious about where and how we give our energy. I'm not saying don't exist in them. I think there's some incredible technology emerging. But I am saying that there's this incredible life we have in 3D, physical yeah. form, tangible, touchable yeah. form that deserves a lot of attention too. What are your yes. thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I, I'm totally there with you. And yeah, I mean, I, I really, truly, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, with social media, it can be harmful, but it can be very beautiful as well. For me, what I like to do, because I grow my business on social media 100%, essentially. But what I try to do is if I'm about to post content, 
I need to make sure that it's either valuable, entertaining, or uplifting, empowering, right? I don't post things just to say, oh, look at me and I'm cool. I'm on this private jet and I'm cool. Let's say I, let's say I am on a private jet for whatever reason. I'm not out here on jets, okay? Not yet, right? But if I'm on a private jet, my thought is how can I make this empowering to other people? Let me tell my story in the caption. Let me talk about how I'm grateful for this or, you know, whatever. Let me open up an opportunity where I can have people thinking about how their passion can be a vehicle to change your life. You know what I'm saying? So the content can be very much the same. You know, I think about this a lot when I'm posting my before and afters or clients before and afters as well, because I know it can be very easy to look at those pictures and for someone to digest it and feel like, man, I suck or I'm bad. So I'm very conscious of that. And like the captions, like I said, or even the pictures themselves, I try to always have an empowering twist or value twist. You know, maybe I give tips on how I've dropped a little bit of body fat or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? It's always about value. Yeah. I think it's huge because I also think that social media is doing something really important, which is creating visibility, democratizing access to, to media. So there weren't necessarily people like me that I saw represented growing up. And I don't know if you felt the same way. So it's democratized our ability to communicate to people like us. And so I think that's a incredibly powerful, beautiful gift at this point in yeah. history. But like you said, I, I put it through a similar filter of what I wanted to, to see this and consume this and have this yes. Be a role model. Yes. Yep. And you can always edit, you know, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, yo, listen, if it doesn't align with your heart, unfollow them <laughs> or block them. You know what I mean? You don't need to see that. So on my feed, I'm, I have like, if I follow someone it's for a purpose. So I encourage everyone to have that kind of filtration system as well. I love that. So you, you touched on this, that you now do fitness coaching. How did you get started with that and working with clients, not just yourself, your first client? <laughs> yeah. So I learned from him. So I'm an online fitness and health coach, right? I learned from my mentor and I, you know, I not only help people, you know, eat a little bit better, but also move their bodies a little bit more effectively. And, and just doing that, I think it's a very like healing, healing journey for a lot of people. Um, also, obviously, I attend seminars, so I'm always kind of learning. I'm always very interested in how I can get better, how I can create better programs, how I can learn how to deliver things. Uh, communication, for example, I have to learn how to communicate with different types of personality types, you know, so it was just kind of like that, like I learned from him and I was like, man, I want to create another community as well. So we have, you know, we use Telegram, you know, as our app of choice. And we have amazing community support, group chat. I follow up my clients. I can talk to a lot of my clients almost on a daily basis. So just really modeling and just kind of obviously growing and innovating as well as we learn. But yeah, I learned a lot from him. Yeah. That's the power of a good mentor uh, and coach, which sounds like he was both. But when you were talking there, I was also, I heard the soundbite that you going to seminars and, and conferences and so on. And I love that you're investing in your self-growth and improvement because I think, again, this is not done as often as it should be because I think people have this worry about it being an expense. And I would say to, to anyone I was talking to that it's self-growth and improvement is never an expense. And I like yes. to think of it in the context of we're all a business of one and then sometimes we grow out of businesses of a lot of people, right? But even if someone has a job and they're employed by another person, they're still a business of one in the sense that like a business has a P&L, profit and loss. So you have the total mm-hmm. money that comes in and then you invest in certain things that either create your deliverable or help you grow the business. And what's left is your net profit or loss, <laughs> hopefully net profit. 
But in an okay. individual, you need to put some of that money back into growing that top line revenue for yourself too. So you reinvest in a business, yes. you invest in your business, you grow the top line revenue, and that's how you expand the business. Well, that's how you expand a person or a life as well. And so the people that I know that have the highest incomes have put money into growing their skill sets and their capacities. Right. And usually that's not, you can do a lot of that with energy. You know, there's YouTube and there's really inexpensive courses online now on Udemy and other places, but there's something about getting around other people that are learning and growing too, that just has an X factor. It just multiplies it. Yep. And the connections and the energy, and you get to also model other people as well. So I model a lot of people who are before me. How do they, how do they walk? How do they make eye contact? How do they present their story? You know, there's so much teaching and modeling. And also I was telling my team this too, like recently I, I try to read a book a day. I'm not the quickest reader or sorry, not a book a day. Sorry, a book a month. Jesus. That would be crazy though if it was a book a day, but I do 10 pages every single day. With that kind of numbers, I can read a 300 page book in a month. And I always invest in books, right? Maybe it's a 50 or $60 investment for three books. But how I think about it is like, man, this is so inexpensive because it's going to give me millions of dollars of knowledge and people skills or whatever I need to grow in. And it's just going to, you know, you don't, your mind is like a rubber band. I heard this before as a quote, you know, it doesn't shrink back. It, it only, you know, gets longer and longer, thicker and thicker, whatever it is. So your mind is just like that. It's always going to constantly keep growing. And I think about when, with personal growth, I think about, um, I think it's LeBron James. He has, I think monthly he spends, I want to say $110 or something like that, or $110,000, sorry, on his body recovery, you know, stretching uh, his personal trend, you know, or whatever. I'm sure it's more, but he's investing in himself. Because if he does that, he would go out there and make millions and, and more, you know what I mean? So it's just self-investment, I think, is the most beautiful thing anybody can do. And I cannot wait until I can start investing 3000 5000 a month on myself and myself grow. That's going to be monumental. I think so many people think uh, he can do that because he's wealthy and it's the opposite. He's wealthy because he does that. Exactly. And also, I love this perspective about the physical body, which is if our body was a car, a vehicle, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you're born, you get this car for your entire life. And by the way, we don't know what that lifespan is. Could be a hundred with life extension could be 120. How would you treat that vehicle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you would do everything to maintain, improve, upgrade that vehicle, right? And the maintenance and care of it would be incredible. But with our bodies, we don't necessarily do that. And that is the exact situation that we have with our bodies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I agree. Our sleep, our food, the type of water we're drinking, the energy that we're around, the the voice in our head, the messages that we give ourselves every single day, you know, it's either we're beautiful or we're great, or we suck and I I hate you or whatever it is, you know, all that stuff, our bodies listen and adapt to all of it, you know? So we have to give the best, the highest quality to ourselves. With that self-talk and that, uh, you know, mind chatter that comes up, what I find really interesting that some people don't notice is there's something there that can change or shift the chatter, right? You can change from the empowering to the uh, unempowering and vice versa. But what mm-hmm. a lot of people don't notice, they notice the power of the mind to shift. They don't notice that something shifted the mind. Mm-hmm. And my perspective, I think that's the life force that's in us that is in greater control in our mind. They can say, mind, no, thank you. We're shifting this perspective. We're shifting this belief. But there is, there is something beyond the mind that is operating in our life or has capacity when we're mature, stable, and operating efficiently to operate the life. And so I just mm-hmm. like to point out to people because sometimes uh, pay, people do not pay attention to the life force that they have available to them. So it's just an easy moment to notice, wow, it's there because something, something told me to shift my self-talk just now. And it couldn't have yeah. been my self-talk shifting my self-talk because my self-talk was pretty happy with the line of train it was on. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and it can take a lot of work to retrain that too. Mm-hmm. First, you obviously have to be aware that you do 
constantly talk to yourself throughout the day. And then you have to then realize what are you saying to yourself? Why are you saying to yourself? Maybe it's certain triggers that you're saying to yourself. And then, you know, literally just creating new grooves in the brain and new connections and, you know, developing new self-talk is a new activity. It's like riding a bike backwards or whatever. You have to learn how to do it. Yeah. But it's completely possible. I think it's one of the best things that anyone can do for themselves. And I think that goes to, I think it's really important to develop a relationship with yourself. And that can be, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny. You can do simple things like smile at yourself in the mirror or yeah. in the, oh my God, I do that. Talk in the mirror, high five to yourself in the mirror. And there's a lot of research around this. I'm not coming up with this out of thin air. There's psychological research saying just how incredibly powerful it is for shifting uh, life experience. Yes. I, I literally do that every single morning. I talk to myself. I say what I love about myself. And I'm intelligent. I'm beautiful. I love your eyes. Da, 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 da. I do all that stuff. Cause it's really hard for me actually. And maybe like other people too, it's really hard for me to have self-belief. So I have to do the extra work in order to develop that self-belief, that self-love, you know, that kindness voice in my head. Cause my voice in my head, it can be very critical. So we have to do something about that. And I'm not surprised to hear it's critical because I think one of the most important things to understand about the mind is this, the mind on an evolutionary basis, it's, it's a sentry, it's a guard, it's a protector. It was there to ensure your survival. So mm-hmm. if you and I were spending a day together and I was had to ensure your survival or I would die, let me go ahead and tell you that your day would not be very exciting. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't let you go outside. I wouldn't <laughs> let you get your own food. I would get it for you. I would probably tell you not even to use the bathroom. I would just say, you That's sit so still funny. and I will keep you safe. But your, your experience would be pretty terrible. Would yeah. you agree? Yes, that's so funny. Wow. So when the mind does that, you have to remember your mind is a tool and it's there to protect you. But sometimes it's a little overly protective. Like I just described your day would be if you had to spend it with me that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to say to your mind, you know, thank you, but no, thank you right now. I don't need protection. I need expansion. I need mm-hmm. optimization. I need fulfillment. I need connection. I need love. I need growth. I need challenge, all those things. And so when you understand, it's not that your mind's trying to create problems for you or or, but it is there <laughs> to protect you. And sometimes you can quiet it knowing that. Yeah, that's a really cool way to put it. I like that a lot. How has anxiety, how has anxiety uh, impacted your life? And did that have anything to do with when your fitness shifted for that period of time? Right. So, so yes, I deal with anxiety. I have a history of panic attacks as well, right? So I've been in therapy. I'm currently in therapy as well but always been in therapy, right? Dealing with these kind of feelings. I was diagnosed with um, generalized anxiety disorder, which essentially means it's not a fixation on a certain thing. It's not exactly OCD or anything like that, but it could be anything. You know, I'm kind of anxious about, man, did I leave the store off? Or, oh my God, what if they think I'm not cool enough? Whatever, I'm always in my head, always kind of very anxious and high strung. And so in 2014, 2015, that's when it was, you know, running rampant. You know, I didn't, know how to control it. So like I said before, I was just drinking it because when I drank, I was smiling, I was happy. I wasn't thinking, right. I was watching TV. I was eating. I had all these, you know, I had all these good feel feelings in my brain, you know, all these good chemicals being released. And then the next day, boom, anxiety slapping me in the face again. So what I had to do was one, realize that what I was doing was detrimental to my body and it wasn't helping me. The drinks was not helping me. Uh, the food was not helping me, right? I had to make the decision to do something different. How do I want to feel? Who is my best self, right? I had to create that person in my head. And then I had to set a plan. And what happened for me, what I experienced is that working out, actually, I mean, all the endorphins that you get when you're working out is like crazy. So when I was working out in a compassionate way, again, like I explained before, 
not like, oh my God, I need to lose 25 pounds this month. So let me be on the treadmill every day, all day. Cause that's, you know, panicking, right? That doesn't feel good. I was working out 45 minutes to an hour most days, right? Five to six times a day and enjoying it, right? Happy, just feeling about how I'm putting love to myself. I'm becoming my best self. That's really the mindset that I have and I still have today. And I noticed that I felt better. I was leaving the gym like happy. I had more energy. I was like, man, like I'm bouncing around. Like I feel really good. I want to go see my family. I want to, I want to go talk to people. I want to, you know, and I was like, man, fitness is actually very healing for me, which made me want to do it more because I felt better after and during my workouts. Right. So it really started to become this uh, place where I was able to release a lot of energy, a lot of anxious energy. I was able to give self-love to myself. I was able to enjoy the process and build who I wanted to build. So it really helped me. Now today, obviously I'm still, I'm still an anxious person, but it's way more controlled. I also understand that anxiety is here as like, you kind of explained like a friend, it's not my enemy. I don't have to be afraid of it. I just got to talk to it and, and choose not to fuel it. Right. Also, like I said, still in therapy, still working with my anxiety, still working out, um, all those kind of things. So anxiety is, anxiety is tough, but that's how I decided to manage it. I think working out is an incredible like release valve. It lets mm-hmm. everything out. Motion creates emotion and it also releases emotion. I think it builds, you know, there's all the science behind endorphins and whatnot as well, but it also builds confidence. You can see mm-hmm. their shift. You can see people taking up more space, their vocal tonality shifting. You can just see these physical changes that happen with physical changes to their body. And I mean, physical changes that express how they feel about themselves, confidence. Mm-hmm. And then on the anxiety front, I also love just like anything, whether it's fitness or anxiety or any area of life, it's always about progress. Like there is, it's sort of, can't remember if in math, it's an asymptote where the line doesn't quite ever reach, touch the other line, like the curve doesn't ever touch the line, but regardless if that's (laughs) the right term or not, (laughs) the point is most things, there's not an arrival state. So it's about progress. And when you experience Mm -hmm. progress, it's an incredible feeling. Like I think about in sport, you know, I've played a lot of rugby and you've played a lot of basketball and other sports and you don't ever arrive. You're never a finished Yes. Right. But as you improve, so I like to take that perspective on anything, whether it's like I said, fitness or anxiety or another realm is to enjoy the steps of progress. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, and funny because this is how this is, this is literally how I view my fitness journey. If I can just jump really quickly, because it reminds me of something. So this is also something I had to do in 2015. Right. And I still do it today, but I literally like, like, okay. I explain this to my clients as well. Right. So we're all in a movie right? If you can think about your life as a movie, right? There's a camera crew following you around, they're documenting your journey, everything like that. Who do you want to be that person, right? Who, who is the main character? Because you are the main character, right? Whenever we go see a movie, it's never an up and up progression of perfection. That, that would be very boring, right? We don't want to see the, the roses and everything like that. We want to see the trials and the challenges and the overcoming and the, we want the Rocky type movie feel, right? And that's how I view my fitness journey. So in 2015, I started thinking like, man, I'm just in my Rocky right now. This is it. This is just a Rocky movie. I'm going to make a crazy movie, right? Even today, if I have a setback, which I did in COVID, right? I, I you know, had a little uh, setback physically in COVID. And I was like, man, this is just a movie. You know, this is the audience right now is like on the edge of their seat. I'm about to have a crazy comeback. And I think what, what that does is that it gives people grace and it shows people that there is an end. There is, there is going to be better. Right. I think it shows my clients that sure, maybe you have to lose 150 pounds, which is, can be very daunting. Right. But what if we treat it like a movie? What if, oh my God, this audience and 
what you're doing. And, you know, every time you're, you're training, it's just a part of your comeback story. It's part of your, that's how I like to view it. And I think it's really, really cool. I love it, you know, because I think it encourages me to just constantly, you know, get better and see challenges as a part of the plot in the movie, as opposed to a dead end or some kind of rejection or whatever it is. I love that. And, and I love, I love things that are short and pithy and create an instant state change and seeing something as your Rocky moment, like yeah. <laughs> anytime you're in a challenge. I mean, that what a quick state shift, right? We all know the feelings we, we feel with that music and, and mm-hmm. memories of that movie. And so I, I always say to people that you don't get strength and resilience without challenges. And that's true in the gym, right? You're not going to get strength and musculature <laughs> without challenging your body to lift heavier right. and having your weights over time or greater volume. But same in life, you don't get resilience and strength without challenges. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're in your Rocky moment when you have challenges and that yeah. will shift it. And, and I love that for anyone who's listening. Yeah. Just in your Rocky. That's all. <laughs> just in the Rocky. How, how did you build up your, your client base over time? To, I think for me, it was just documenting it. And it's funny because we spoke a little bit about this like not worried about being perfect, right? Just documenting, just treating it like a human, just documenting your journey. That's how I treated social media. Um, I was the type of person before I didn't really post a lot. I posted once every six months on Instagram, right? That's how I treated my platform before. And so when I was like, man, I just really want to start documenting here. I started doing it every single day, getting in my stories, talking on my story, because there's something very special about when someone can hear your voice and the sincerity in your spirit. So I just started doing that. I started giving value, just tips, work ideas. Here's how I ate on a given Wednesday or whatever it is, right? And my audience started to build. And of course, because of results and everything like that, people started asking questions. People wanted to be a part, right? People wanted to find something, a healthier way in order to achieve their fitness and health goals. So that's literally how I did it. It wasn't any type of paid ads or big flyers or billboards or anything like that. It was just using this free app, to the extent that it can be used, maximizing it and just giving massive value to people every single day. And that's still the goal every single day. I love that. I think that as we're talking about ahead of time, that progress over perfection, never stopping something because it's not exactly how you want to present it, or you don't have the right tools, you don't know how to use the right filter, or you don't even understand the app that well. One of the things I think about is that I think a lot of people in terms of sharing their message through social media in particular, they think that if they don't have a large audience, that it's not worth it, or they don't, mm. don't know how to grow an audience. So they don't think it's worth it. And I would say if one person came to you and they're truly in need, you could feel, you could feel from that, how badly they needed your help. What a low place they were in. Would you help them? <laughs> just one person. Yep. And so I'm like, if you have one follower and I mm-hmm. think just about every app will automatically help someone connect with you <laughs> when you get started, you have a reason to share your message. I agree. Yeah. 1000%. Um, it happens over time. You know, when I was first getting started, maybe you can attest to this as well. I had um, 800 followers when I first got started and it was mainly family, friends and stuff like that, high school, middle school people. And the most likes that I used to get, and it's not about likes or anything like that, but that's something that's a hang up that a lot of people think about is, you know, I don't get a lot of likes. So I don't want to post da, 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 Right. So I remember I used to get like 40 likes and that was like big baller status. I was like, man, that's crazy. You know, 40 likes, that was crazy. Right. And, and now it's so different, you know, cause I used to get 17, 15, 18, 21. Then I hit 40 and I was like, man, this is crazy. So don't worry about the likes. Don't worry about the followers. Just, just worry about if you have a good message and it's coming from the heart, you should share it to the world. You know, that's how I really view it. I don't think individually we even know what the world needs from us until we t- start talking and sharing our message. So to me, it's also about 
putting out the things, the areas where you think you can help and finding out if that's where people want and are seeking help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you need the, the two-way feedback that only comes through communication. And that, that starts with us individually putting content forth. And I remember one time quite a while back I was listening to Rachel Hollis give a speech on stage. And she said, I'm up here and all of you out there are out there because I gave myself permission. There's nothing else mm. that's different than I gave myself permission. She's like, I wrote a book about, you know, all sorts of silly topics and things that were, you know, not all positive about me. And I thought, wow, just yeah. giving yourself permission. Literally the barrier is not anything externally. It's internally. Do you give yourself permission? Wow. That's big. God, mm. that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. And you, you had shared a Les Brown quote with me that it had an equally compelling effect on me. Would you mind sharing that with folks? Yeah, of course. Of course. So shout out to Les Brown. I discovered him on YouTube. I didn't, I didn't know anything about him before, but I remember I was randomly scrolling and I found this video and I listened to it. And I was like, man, this was my first year in the business as well. And I was like, man, this is huge, right? I want to always remember this quote, but the quote essentially is the richest place in the world, right? Are actually graveyards, right? And he explains why that is. And he basically says, you know, the graveyards are filled with undiscovered artists, uh, people who never picked up the the guitar because they were fearful or people who never picked up the, the, the brush, didn't write the book, didn't do the interviews, didn't travel, didn't do these things because they were scared of maybe what other people thought of them or their own, you know, limitations that they had on themselves or what they thought of themselves. And it, it equally inspired me and also terrified me because I was like, man, that is so true. I started thinking about my own family members who had passed away. And I was like, man, my grandmother was this. And she, she really could cook. And my aunt was a great singer and, you know, they never pursued those things. And I think from that point on, I was like, man, I'm going, I want to leave this world like empty. Like I want to exhaust everything that I can do. I want to be tired and I just want to go, go, you know, at rest. You know what I mean? Because I think the terror, the scariest thing is, you know, not meeting your full potential. And it's so crazy because this reminds me now of a quote of Ed, Ed Milet that's kind of equally as terrifying, but he was speaking Shout out to YouTube, please, everyone go on YouTube and just Google people's names because endless information. And he speaks about, you know, what he thinks hell is, right? So he thinks hell is when you die and, or I'm sorry, not hell. He was talking about heaven, but he related to that. That would be his personal hell, right? When you die and God shows you who you could have been, right? Who you could have been, regardless of your, your faith background, I think this can be relatable to anybody, right? But who could you possibly be, right? Who would that person be? How would they hold themselves? You know, what, everything. And if those two people don't match, that's when he said, that would be my personal hell because I didn't exhaust my full potential. And I was like, man, that's so deep too. So deep. So yeah, that's, that was the quote that really hit me. I love both of those. And yes, go, go look those people up on, on YouTube. When you're talking about Les Brown, one of the things that came to me was that I think some, sometimes why we struggle to give ourselves permission is because we're part of groups that have not historically been told to give ourselves permission, right? Mm. It can be genders, sexualities, races, able-bodiedness, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's one of the greatest acts of defiance or maybe just self-empowerment to say, I do give myself permission. I may not have mm. been told to give myself permission, but I, the only person who has the, the key to the gate, give myself permission. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and you unlock that with so many, so many other people too you get to then empower other people. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts, like literally you empowering yourself and then empowering others. And I also do not think that there's such a thing as a normal person. So, or even, a, even like a worthy person, there's just this incredible diversity of people. So even among the groups that we think are 
quote unquote, the more privileged ones. When you get into deep conversation, they have struggles too. They've lost loved ones. They've struggled with mental health. They've lost jobs. They've been in deep depression. So when you truly get to know people, all people are struggling with challenges of being human and the blessings of being human. So there's people that need our message. And often that's ourselves when you need to share our message. But I do love that concept of giving ourselves permission. And then, you know, as you've layered on living life to that full richness that we have the potential to do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So shifting a little more practical, tactical angle here, what are some of your best uh, tips for someone who's looking to drop weight? So dropping weight, dropping body fat, number one, nutrition, you know, you got to eat well, (laughs) you know what I mean? I know we hear it and sometimes people reject it, but you really need to learn how to nourish your body and nourishing your body doesn't look like salads all day. It doesn't look like, it doesn't look like you have to do certain things or I have to do keto. I have to do intermittent fasting. You can, anything works as long as we work type of a type of vibe is how I feel. Right. So as long as you're eating to nourish yourself, not restricting, I think that's huge, right? Learning how to eat first. The second one is patience. I actually will say, right? So the big tip to dropping body fat, if that's your goal is give yourself patience. Know that it's going to take time. It's going to take time to maybe drop 10 pounds, right? Because I think when some, what happens sometimes is when people are irritable with time and time frames they quit, man, it's going to take so long. You know, I don't want to do this. Screw it. You know, type of vibe. Right. And the third thing would be actually do resistance training. I think this is another thing that people don't think about, right? Resistance training, putting on lean muscle mass, is going to help you so much with dropping body fat percentage. I think sometimes the go-to is cardio. How I view cardio is cardio is great, right? Cardiovascular health is amazing, right? For that. But I think, you know, it's, it's something that should be sprinkled on as opposed to the main course. That's how I view it. So those three things, right? Nutrition, patience, strength training. And I think as you were saying those, cause I, I agree with every single one, it takes me back to that importance of a coach that a lot of times around nutrition, there's these uh, misunderstandings. And I think being able to be full and satisfied and enjoy your food and have it a way that you can eat consistently for a lifetime mm-hmm. is often really not understood. And you can get some good nutrition coaching for you can do one off with a nutritionist. You can work with a coach like you, but don't try to just do it yourself. There's a cost. <clears throat> there's a cost of having low energy. There's a cost of not feeling good about yourself. And so if you need to create a savings account of $10 a month to save up to work <laughs> with a coach or a nutritionist, mm. do that. Because a lot of times I think it's misinformation around nutrition and training that are holding people back. And I think around training, um, you know, getting, we'll, we'll go into this a bit more detail, but getting confident in the gym, knowing that when you walk in, you know what to do and that you would yeah. deserve space there, you know, to use equipment, you know, use your body that that's really a huge part of turbocharging results. So um, before we dive into that a little bit more, what are your best tips for someone looking to add muscle specifically? Okay. Muscle. Wow. It's so funny because it's almost like the same. (laughs) It could be literally the same three actually, but I will say, you know, with, with protein or not protein, well, yeah, protein, but with nutrition, really learning your, your macronutrients, right? So what does your body need in order to grow? Right. Because there's maintenance calories, there's, you know, deficits, and then there's obviously some surplus as well. So learning how to eat for your goals, right? Well, no matter what your goals are. The you second thing that the, will say, the three macronutrients for people that aren't familiar. Sure. So protein, carbs, and fats, you know, so learning what those things do for your body um, and also not demonizing carbs, for example. I think a lot of people do that. There's a, there's a huge uh, misconception around carbs. Carbs are not bad. They're great for brain functionality, energy. They're amazing. You know, so we need them, right? The second thing that I will say is along with resistance training, repetition, right? So muscles don't grow off of, you know, nothing grows in life off of what you do sometimes, right? Or infrequently. I think sometimes people jump from program to program to program, workout to workout, and 
getting this workout from YouTube, this workout from Instagram, this workout from, you know, Twitter or whatever. And this does speak to a coach, right? Because all those workouts probably are mixed matched. You're not touching the body parts the way you need to. You're not focused on form. You're just doing random things because you see it on Instagram. It looks cool. This is actually a reason why I, I hardly ever, I actually do a disclosure in my captions. I never post my full workouts. I'll post a movement or two because I don't think that, you know, unless I post all my routines, people will not get the benefit of it. And I don't want that culture to be associated with my page, right? So, you know, getting a coach, I follow programs. I'm sure you maybe some of the sim, uh, similar. I follow the same program anywhere from eight to 14 or yeah, eight to 14, 12-ish weeks. Of course, there's progressions and rep sets, weights, you know, decreasing time or whatever it is, but I'm, it's, it can be very boring. <laughs> you know, it can be boring to do the same routines, but with different weights or different reps and sets, like I said, in a progressive way, but that's how you build the muscle mass. It is over the repetition. It's not what you do sometimes, what you do most of the time, right? So that's the second thing I'll say. And then the third thing I'll say with building muscle is understanding that it takes time. So we're going along with patience, right? So for example, women, right? For example, typically can expect, you know, maybe a pound or two per month, right? It, it's not a huge, oh, I'm going to start lifting weights and I'm just going to blow up. You know, it's not like that kind of thing. It takes time. You know, I've been doing resistance training now for almost four years. It takes time to build the body and the physique that you want. So that's something that uh, if I can throw in a fourth, I would say rest and recovery. I think this is an issue with people who are trying to put on muscles. They think I'm going to hit the gym every single day all day, team no sleep, I don't need a rest day. Um, some days you need those rest days. Some days you need many too. Also getting eight, seven hours of sleep a night is gonna help you, you know, build your body back up because, you know, when you're working out, you're either, you're, you're obviously uh, tearing things, you're, you're ripping fibers, you're, you're, you're doing a lot of blood flow into certain muscle groups and you have to recover afterwards as well. But yeah. I, I've come to love rest days. I usually strength train four to five days per week and mix in some running workouts on uh, rugby, obviously, but I look forward to the, re- to the rest days now because mm-hmm. it gives me extra time to do other things. They're relaxing. I can feel my body recovering, but I agree that I, I think with time you come to love them as much as the training days, but it takes a, a yes. shift in perspective. It's a, yeah. Cause I think people think that they're lazy on rest days or that their body isn't working or they're not getting closer to their goals. You actually probably are like, I'm, I'm happy you said that I, I strength training, I think four days a week right now with weights, mm-hmm. right? Maybe I'll throw in a fifth, a little body weight movement, but the rest of the days I'm going for walks. I'm doing maybe some yoga, recovery, stretching, whatever. It's not about hitting the weights and eating the weights. It's about doing what you need to do when you're in there and then recovering your body as well. And we're both fairly muscular people, I will say. So it works. I agree with that. And I think that the other thing is most good programming. And for those who aren't familiar with the term programming, it's just a set of workouts to follow. <laughs> written down so you can do them. That's all the programming means. They go through a period of work and then a a shorter deload phrase, a phase. And all that does is it gives a lighter set of work so that your body can recover. So there's rest days and then there's rest periods. And then I would say Mm -hmm. there's even just rest times of your life. Sometimes an injury has to cause your training to shift. Sometimes a life event has to cause your training to shift. Or back when I was playing rugby really competitively, following it all around the world and playing for the US team and super clubs, I only strength trained uh, two days per week in season because with all that, you know, you're playing sometimes two practices a day, you just can't strength train four or five days a week and do that level of training volume. Right. Mm -hmm. So it depends on phase of life as well. But again, if you had something really difficult with work or a family situation, maybe you drop back to one or two, you know, lifting days per week and a couple 
couple of walks and that could be great for that period of time. So I think that's yeah. that, I think you touched on a little bit, but that gentleness or that kindness with yourself. Yes. And then yeah, you can ramp back up into that Rocky moment, right? When you're ready. There you go. There you go. <laughs> this is a topic I really wanted to ask you about, because I know you do an incredible job on it. And that is what steps have you taken to become an inclusive fitness coach? So by that, I mean, you know, folks who are gender expansive, non-binary, trans, um, differently able, varying body shapes, ages, or just not traditionally well-represented in fitness settings. How do you yes. make it as inclusive as possible? Thank you so much uh, for asking that. First off, I want to thank you as well, because mm-hmm. you've actually been a great source for me. You know, that phone call that we had where I was able to ask a lot of questions and, mm-hmm. and pick your brain on what you thought about certain things was really, really incredible for me, uh, really valuable. So thank you so much for your time. So when I got started in the, I guess, fitness industry or fitness platform on Instagram, I didn't see a whole lot of uh, mass presenting women who had the physiques that I wanted. I actually, I related more to the men uh, physiques. And I kind of still do to this day, besides like CrossFit, CrossFit female physiques. That's like, that's like the physique that I love, right. For myself and that I'm trying to achieve. Right. So for me, when I just being myself on your platform, you're going to start attracting your tribe. You're going to start attracting people who are similar to you just from you being yourself. Right. That's why it's important to be you and not who you pretend to be. So I started attracting a lot of, um, LGBTQ plus individuals, right. Um, mainly mass presenting females, who wanted to have a lot of lean muscle mass, who wanted to have visible abs or certain things like that, who wanted to do pull-ups, who wanted to feel strong and fit the, the clothes of the, that they felt aligned with better, right? So I was like, okay, amazing. I love this. I can work with you. That's incredible. And then, right, I started to actually attract a lot of um, feminine women as well, which was different for me. So I had to then reach out to other resources, um, you know, people who are, are more feminine and I can ask them questions, right? So they need a different programming. They, they need a different things, right? They, they, their calories are a little bit different as well, depending on their goals. A lot of times they want to tone up and drop body fat and grow booties and, you know, stuff like that, for lack of a better term. So it's a little different, right? And then I actually started to attract uh, trans men, right? Who wanted to put on me muscle mass. I felt, actually, it's so funny. I felt more comfortable in, in that, that community that I did with feminine women. I need a lot of help with feminine women, actually. But that was amazing, right? So again, just asking questions, I always, I do not know the answer. I'm not going to pretend I do. So I'm always going to ask for help. I recently also, you know, the beginning of my programming, I used to have workouts tailored, you know, entitled men's workouts, women's workouts. Now I have no titles, right? Now it's just workouts, uh, depending on that person's goal, you know, different phases, depending on that person's goal. Same thing with meal plans, you know, meal plans are very inclusive as well, just because I've learned that why have, why have that, you know what I mean? Why have those two things? Because even for myself, even though I, I am a, I'm a mass presenting female, that's how I identify, right? I don't, I wouldn't want a women's meal plan because it could be very stereotypically indifferent and that kind of stuff, maybe not align with my goals, right? So why not create programs that align with people's goals as opposed to you know, trying to gender everyone. So that's a big shift that I try to make. Additionally, you know, in my bio, on my Instagram, I have, I use JotForm platform to, to collect data and, and anybody who wants to learn about my programs, they can fill that out. And I'm able to, I'm thank God for, for JotForm, I'm able to put in an option of non-binary or whatever. I have multiple options now, which is good. So people can plug in to wherever they feel comfortable. Yeah. Same thing with, you know, trying to assess body fat percentages. I know we spoke about that actually. So putting body types together that they feel comfortable with, as opposed to 
this is women's body fat percentage, this is men by above, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's really actually, I feel like trying to gender something is more work than actually keeping it not that way. <laughs> so just actually simplifying a lot of things, I think, is what I'm working on. I, I love that. I think it was great when you reached out and asked about my perspective. It's a gender expansive person and how I view fitness because you're one of a hand, I count a hand, one hand, how many people have asked me that question in my lifetime. So it shows how few oh, wow. people are exploring it. So I think so often people are scared to ask questions. And the irony is, I don't expect you to have my life experience. You don't expect me to have your life experience. We don't understand each other fully unless we are willing to be curious. And the best definition of allyship, regardless of what type of allyship that I've ever heard, was an understanding that someone has a different life experience than your own and a curiosity to better understand it. Simple. Bam. It's Simple. like that perspective. So I think so often people are scared to ask about topics. You know, will I offend a person? And one of the things I, I always say is done with the right intention. Never. Mm-hmm. They will, you, in fact, will make a short list of people in their life who, who wanted to understand them better. And the other thing that you were mentioning that I loved was that you made it outcome oriented. Why make it gender oriented? Make it outcome oriented. Yes. So you, you know, their goals, how their body, you know, the drawings of how they want their body to look just so simple. Yeah. It's very simple. Yeah. I've learned that it's actually a simple way to do it. Yeah. And, and I love that because you're coming to, to fitness from a different perspective, this was very natural for you to integrate these changes versus people are coming from a more traditional setting. They don't even question the status quo. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess, thank you for expanding the, the fitness realm and making it a more inclusive space. Oh man, of course. That's crazy. That's an honor to say that. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. So what are a few of your biggest lessons learned uh, as an entrepreneur fitness coach? Biggest lesson is to, this just popped into my head, meet people where they are. Sometimes, you know, because I have uh, such a love for human potential, I think I'm like, oh, I get a client. I'm like, oh, let's do this. We're going to kill it. Oh my God. Da, da, da. And sometimes people just want to learn how to drink more water better or want to learn how to eat on time or want to learn uh, how they can get more energy to play with their kids. Sometimes that's the greatest gift you can give people. So I think for me is really learning the person I'm working with and how to meet them where they are. Yeah. Sometimes people aren't, aren't ready and that's fine. You know, I don't need a complete 180 shift. Some people just want to move a couple of degrees every single month. And that's beautiful. We're on your timeline. Let's do it. Um, so I think that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is that you have to be confident in who you are. And I can speak from personal experience as well. My first year in, in my business, it was really hard for me to set boundaries, right? Like I said, I operate my business off of a Telegram messenger. That's how I connect with all my clients. And it was really hard for me. I would have clients who call me at 2 a.m., you know, in a frantic panic. Hey, you know, is it too late to eat? I'm hungry that, you know? And so I had to set boundaries. Hey, these are my office hours. This is when da, 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 I'm on the app. You can always reach out to me. I'll always get back to you within eight hours. You know, hey, this is the meal plan. This is some of the benefits of it. Just having confidence that you are helping them and you would be doing disservice if you didn't set boundaries and if you didn't properly guide people. So for example, with my clients, we, you know, the first week in which we're working together, it's really heavy on nutrition, right? Because to me, that's number one, right? I don't, you know, I don't even want to talk about workouts right now because we got to get the food together, right? So I have my clients actually send me pictures of everything they consume in that day. And if it's brownies and Twinkies and stuff like that, I'm going to say, hey, listen, this isn't really an effective snack for you and your goals. We want something in, in, that's meeting this kind of level of protein level, right? And then send them a full grocery list and, you know, whatever it is. 
So sometimes in my first year in business, I was, you know, like I said, I wasn't that confident. So I would let things, you know, kind of slide like, oh, you had a Twinkie. Okay. All right. You know, you have to have the confidence because they're not paying you or investing in you uh, to not give them the best that you've got. So, yeah, I think that's what I would say. I, I love all those. And I, and I think focusing on nutrition first, that is the foundation. And at least for me, <laughs> I don't enjoy being hungry very much. So there. To, for me to keep a really sustainable diet, I have to have ways to be full and meet mm-hmm. my nutritional goals. So for me, that means regular eating intervals. That means higher protein. And that means a lot of fiber. So in particular, you know, vegetables are, are quite yeah. high in my diet. You know, I look for half to three quarters of my plate in most meals and that really helps me. And then some healthy fats mixed in because ha- fats are higher calorically, but they're very filling and sustain you for a long time. So I think working yes. with a nutrition coach, one of the things is, I think a lot of times it's not willpower. It's about not having the right structure in place to make it easier. <laughs> we're going mm-hmm. down a great slide when some people are trying to climb up a great slide with their nutrition. So working with a coach gives you a chance to actually be going down a great slide. Or yeah. as my dad famously said to me when I was a child, it's easier to ride the horse in the direction it's going. All right. There we go. Dad. <laughs> so you want to get the right coaching. So you're riding the horse in the direction it's going. <laughs> yes. That was cool. What's a belief that you've adopted that's helped you to live life on your terms? Because I think you do a great job of um, just living a really exceptional life. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Every single day is work. Mm -hmm. So I definitely don't want to paint a picture that it's perfect and it's roses and everything like that. Every day it's work. Um, But I will say that, and I think this is something I try to live by, is being a self-leader, right? So the first person that we have to lead lead is ourselves. We can't lead others if we're not aligned with ourselves. And what self-leadership means to me, it could be, let's say, for example, in a very simple example, I'm a fitness and health coach, right? But behind closed doors, I don't have clients that live with me. I could have wine cellars and be drinking every night. I could be crushing chips every single day and uh, drinking beer and pretending that I work out and posting old footage of my workouts, right? I could be that person, but I'm not being a self-leader, right? Self-leader is who you are when no one's looking, right? What time do you wake up when no one looks? Are you reading your book when no one holds you accountable? Are you eating your meals? Are you getting active even when people aren't clocking for you? Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that I try to be is a big self-leader. I I can't be a poser. I got to be who I say I am to myself first. I love that. I I had used different language for myself, but an identical self-belief, which is that I'm responsible for being the mature, stable leader in my life. When things are out of order, I'm the one responsible for stepping up. And that's true as we talked about with mindset, that's true with emotions, that's true with, you know, emotional regulation, that's true with relationships. And so at some point, you know, I, I, when I'm struggling in an area, I have to ask myself, when am I going to show up for Mm. myself? (laughs) Where Mm. am I? When am I going to show up? So you use different language, but that self-belief of self-leadership, that's so powerful. Yeah. And then when when you're mentioning that book that you read, you know, your 10 pages daily that you've mentioned a couple of times. I was listening to someone who wrote a book on monotasking and that's the you know reality that we do one thing at once. We think we can do multiple. It's just fractioning between them and people that read a book daily. You know, I think it was for 10 or 20 minutes. They live longer. Oh, and so I think, and this is my theory on it. And tell me if you think it makes sense when people are reading, they're doing that one thing. You can't read a book and do five other things, right? You have to right. focus. And so it's calming, it lowers blood pressure, it lowers heart Ooh. rate. It reduces anxiety. It creates focus. It creates a sense of accomplishment because this is a goal that you're meeting. So it literally is helping you live longer, but I suspect, and I suspect anything that's focusing and creates that sense of calm and singular focus probably can do the same thing. Wow. This one has the benefit of self-growth, but 
that is that's truly cool. a health health decision to read 10 pages per day. That's fantastic. Thank you for that. Cause I, that's encouraging. I'm about to write, I'm about to read 20 pages now, about 20 yep. pages a day. So I can <laughs> double my lifespan. But uh, I, I guess I would agree. I mean, I think mindfulness is huge. You know, that was something big in, in mental health therapy as well. Like if you're on a walk, how can you be present in that walk instead of thinking about the phone call you have to make and the argument you have with your mother and da da da? When are we really ever in the present moment? Like right now, I'm with you. I want to be here. I don't want to think about, I got to walk my dogs. I, I want to be here, right? When are we ever there? So I guess that makes sense, you know, just having that mindfulness in your life and presence in your life so that you're not checked out on autopilot. Yeah. Deep presence. There's nothing more satisfying than deep presence. If you think about mm-hmm. the most wonderful moments of your life and like you're saying, just being here with you now, it's, it's this very uh, pleasurable to do because of that deep presence. Right. And the other thing that I think is interesting that you've touched on a few times indirectly in this conversation is human connection. You know, you're creating a group of people that you're working with, you're connecting with them one-on-one. You are parts of a group of people who are improving and growing their business skills. And so human connection, what's funny is we know how much it matters because it's actually like a type of criminal punishment to put someone in isolation Yes. Uh, with babies. We know they need touch, but then, you know, throughout the lifespan, we have to focus on this human connection. We understand some importance where we wouldn't use it. Mm-hmm. Um, like babies that aren't held uh, die at higher rates. Like there's, and, and I was talking with my wife about this because she was looking into some of the research on it, but human connection is so important, not just for progress, but also just for true happiness. So when we're talking about yes. how to live this holistically, great life. It, it does. It comes down to being that mature, stable leader for yourself, that self-leadership. It comes down to your daily practices. It comes down to your relationship with your mind uh, and it comes down to human connection. Yes. We touched on so many powerful things. Wow. That was good. Yeah. Human connection is, I mean, humongous that the study with the monkeys, I forgot the name of the study, but um, it's in psychology, but human touch is in just connection. Everyone wants to be a part of a tribe. Everyone wants to be a part of a family. And it's just about who are you choosing to be around? We just, that winter storm recently, I don't know how much it affected you and you're in Maryland, right? Yes. How were you affected by that storm about a month ago? It, w- it was here, but it wasn't, I saw, oh my gosh, your home and the driveways. I saw that. that, that was nothing like that here. It was unreal. We had no power for five days and nights. And the more significant thing that you saw was just, I think close to hundred mature trees had fallen across the road. So I had to be chopped up with chainsaws, dragged and lifted and pushed. But for the first two days of that storm in our area, we didn't even have cell phone service. So you can make a choppy phone call, but you could not load a browser, an app, your email, anything on your phone. And what was great about that is that it got everyone out in the neighborhood seeking social contact. So we all did the project together because there was nothing else to do. So when we don't have distractions, humans will default to social contact. We only want isolation for so long, even introverts. We just prefer smaller groups of people, (laughs) more more select people. And the last time that I'd experienced that where there was no power, electricity, water, or cell phone surface was when I was in a severe earthquake when I first moved to New Zealand. Uh, I was part, part of a Christchurch, New Zealand earthquake that killed 185 people. And that was my first day there. So it was quite a welcome. Oh, and then uh, it was a great way to meet everyone in the community because there were no distractions. So we just sought human connection, helped each other, you know, dig out. A, literally, there was liquefaction, which was sand and water and so on that was coming up to the earth. So there was a lot of physical labor that had to be done there. But yeah, we touched on a lot of subjects, but human connection is a really important one. And some, sometimes we seek it out, like I said, based on smaller, you know, one-on-one connections, smaller groups or larger groups, depending on our personalities, but it's always really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone wants to connect with you <laughs> <laughs> on that transition or learn more about you or get coached by you or follow you on social media. How would they go about that? 
Sure. So I'm on Instagram. I haven't branched out to Twitter or anything like that. That's not my jam right now, but uh, it's literally my name, right? So I'm very, not creative, but it's Taryn, T-A-R-Y-N dot Durant, D-U-R-A-N-T on Instagram, right? So you can literally just follow me there. Um, I answer all my DMs, so always feel free to hit me up, ask any questions or, you know, share love. You know, I'm going to show you love too. So that's the community that I'm building on Instagram. You know, personal add on here, you really do a great job of building community and encouraging people and creating uh, people that want to support others. So, you know, you, you screen by virtue of who you attract, they're going to be the kind of people who are like-minded who will also support others. So incredible community to be part of. Go give her a follow. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you appreciate so much you. for coming on today and sharing your experiences and perspective. And I, and I really appreciate you. Of course. I appreciate you too, man. Thank you so much. You got it. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, let's connect on social media so I can share in your world too. You can find me everywhere using at Kate Hildreth or online at the website kadehildreth.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and review this podcast. 